Go on. You're on there. No, you got it. No, Can I get two Big Macs? Okay. Two apple pies? Okay. Nah, actually. Let me get two Big Macs and two apple pies. A little bit of Sprite in the side of fries. Let me get a McDouble, let me get a McChicken. Hot sauce, make sure that shit kicking. I want a McRib before I make piss. Let me get a hash brown if it is a lunch head. If it is, I'm a B-Mix head. And upset, let me get some nuggets too. I want a bun cake and a parfait. Two of them, I really had a hard day. Let me get a McCafe latte and a couple hundred large shamrock shakes. Powerade, high C. Ranch snack wrap on the side, please. Let me get a burger with a slice of cheese, but no onions or pickles, so hold that, please. I want a McFlurry, two of those. One M&M, one Oreos. I want everything. On the dollar menu and a burger with jalapenos. Let me get a snap wrap from my backpack. Better not test that. That dust sauce, no after. Taking everything to go. So pack that in a black bag. High res eating all the flapjacks. Did you get all that? Union, Seattle, Washington, another episode of Grill. How long steak, mister? 20 hours. Thank you. That's a big-ass steak, son. I am your host, Bobby Stills. Across from me, a fucking smart mouth today. I'm about to jump over this desk and pop him in his big, fat mouth. Big-ass teeth. <laughs> Dolphin. Whale-ass having teeth. Nappy head. He got some gray hairs coming in. Dirty-ass cat-covered hair shirt. I will ream you. You, you want to get slapped in the mouth, <laughs> don't you? My host, with the co-host with the most, co-host Salmon, uh, Jahani Toonami, the greatest co-host ever to live. Not because he's black, but because he's Afro-Latino. Okay, <laughs> He can make a mean rice and beans. <laughs> he can also... Uh, he doesn't so much put baby powder on his hand when he smacks people, but he puts uh, tapatio. And then he smacks people in their faces. Uh, this is episode 72. Uh, we are a product of the Soundcasting Network. Uh, what did we decide Keith's new nickname was? I don't remember, but now I know why people hate you. The Invisible <laughs> Producer, a.k.a. Queef Boogie. <laughs> Uh yeah. Anyway, yes. Welcome, folks. Uh, yeah, I'm loving all that feedback out there, man. It's pretty nice, man. I'm getting recognized more often, and people are saying they like the show. Um, I don't know if they're lying to me or not. Oh, because you actually have friends outside of. How many of us have them? No, there's been some people that you know reach out to me through email or you know through friends, and you know they say me some nice. Talk to me about some nice stuff. Uh, we got some people interested in coming in. Uh, Keith reached out to them, which I appreciate, you know? So we got a producer that actually helps us produce. It's nice. Sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's good, though. But he reached I'm out to joking. some people, and we're getting some some good contacts and all that good That's stuff. Good. Um, yeah. So let's get into it. Uh, work updates, not really updates, but uh, I just wanted to give a quick update on uh, my work, Jupiter. I haven't left Honey Hole yet, but uh, I am trying to hire uh, an assistant manager at the place that I'm going to, Jupiter. Um, so I tried to miss Hello Echo Hawk, who used to be my co-host. Um, the main thing I want to start from the bottom up at my restaurant or my bar, whatever you want to call it, I don't know what it's going to be yet, um, is be nice is going to be my number one rural so I'm trying to get hello in there to kind of balance it out she's super quiet I'm kind of out there um, I really believe in her I think she can do good stuff and so I took her out to a meeting uh, took her out to lunch at Cuoco I just want to give a shout out to uh, the head chef down there it's Tom Douglas's Italian restaurant in South Lake Union where we record at 
and uh, Chef Ron Anderson and sous chef Chris Ham. Uh, they, uh, yeah, for lunch, made the plates uh, not stop coming. Um, I would go over the entire menu with you, but it, they sent products out about what, three, six? They sent us about 12 dishes and oh, dessert. It's a lot of food. So, uh, but Hillel was, uh, she had those, she had those like concerns. She didn't want to leave her job. And I was like, oh, fuck, I don't know if they listen to this show, but uh, oh shit, I'm not even supposed to be talking about this. She told me not to. So we'll skip it. <laughs> Oops. Anyway, she took the meeting with me. She has yet to take the job offer that I've offered to her. She's got to think it over. Um, yeah, it's just not the same caliber of food that she's she's cooking down at her restaurant in Pioneer Square. And so I said, hey, you know, we can make it as fancy or as simple as we want. I'm more about simplicity, but it has to be cost effective. So that's where I'm aiming. Johnny, June baby, how's it going? Still busy, still tired. People recognizing you as the head chef? <laughs> That's funny. I'll talk about that later. But yeah. Um, no, it's good. It's uh, I was just actually talking to Ed yesterday when we were online. And I was, I was saying how I love working at that restaurant because on a consistent basis, there are more people of color in that restaurant than probably any other restaurant in Seattle other than, you know, your local joints in the South End. Um Every single day, there's at least 15 to 20 tables of people of color and not just black, um, you know, Asian, Latino, the the works. It's not just white. It's actually funny because some of the, the bar tenders or some people come in and they're like, oh, I like coming here. It's not as whitewashed as some of the other restaurants <laughs> that we go to. <laughs> the na- that's weird for the neighborhood you live in. Exactly. It's in the middle of white city. So like <laughs> white, white city, not white center people. No, it's in Ravenna, which is very <laughs> densely populated by older white people. Sorry for our listeners out there that do not live in Seattle or Washington. I know a lot lately we've been talking a lot about Seattle. We try to talk about content outside, you know, that around the whole entire world, but I mean, we we're from Seattle. Yeah, we're just deep. (laughs) We're just deep in this scene. We know about all the, all the business. So, you know, we're trying. So, um, anyway, um, thank you for, um, your, uh, you know, your update about work that you're still getting your ass whooped. Oh, yeah, I'm not getting my ass whooped. No, you're not? No, I handle business. You look business. tired, dog. Your eyes. Well, I mean, I work 70 hours a week, so I should be tired. A little bit of your soul is dying. Every day. Every day, <laughs> slowly. Um, yeah, this, um, I wanted to talk about, uh, the, I've never even been really been to this website. I've heard about it before uh, from some people in the front of the house. It's called thebitchywaiter.com. Uh, um, I'm pretty sure this is a fake news article. I don't know. I've tried looking up more information about it. I couldn't really find anything, so I'm going to assume it's fake. But uh, they're talking about these uh, a pair of uh, computer engineers um, from Ogden, Utah, um, who they also work as part-time uh, servers at Longhorn Steakhouse. Um, they put together a new website called Welp, um, and it's a way that you can uh, rate your customers who dine in your restaurants. Um, so it's kind of like Yelp but it's called Welp. And they say that it's finally uh, finally at times to give servers the chance to rate and review the people who sit down at their sections. Um, so the lead engineer, uh, Danny Fugazi, that's my first giveaway that it's fake. He said, after all these years, customers having the upper hand to be able to rip us apart in reviews on Yelp and Facebook, we finally decided to do something about it. So one night when me and my friends were having a drink after a, after a really shitty night serving steaks and potatoes, we came up with this idea. We all have real jobs as computer engineers and software developers, so we knew we could make this work. Three days later, Welp was born. So basically, what they're saying in the article, it's a great idea. I mean, 
It isn't. It isn't. Well, I don't know. I mean, they're saying like, you know, how can you, how can you go ahead and find these people? It's not that hard. Johnny had mentioned before about when people make reservations at his restaurant, you look them up, you kind of stalk them mm-hmm. and find out what they like, where they're from. It, trust me, when you come into a restaurant and people know you or they don't even know you, but they act like they know you or know something about you, you feel special. So basically what they are trying to do, which I think is great, is they try to find out, um, you know, if you call and get reservations, they find you online. And then when you come in, they can rate you as a customer. I mean, it's happening in all sorts of things. You can Uber and Lyft, you know, you get rated as a customer. Postmates, you get rated as a customer. There's a lot of different ways this is happening in the industry. But like on Uber and Lyft, when you get rated as a customer, it's not really like how the experience was with you as a customer. It's like whether or not you paid. No, not just that. It's listening, you know, how, how you were as a customer. It's not just if you paid or not. And that, and that messes up your rating. I think if you, they, drivers can choose whether or not they pick you up. So maybe in the future as a server, you know, like, so when I make reservations at some places, a lot of different restaurants, um, not just in Seattle, but all over the United States, um, uh, even, uh, you know, at Noma, you know, we were talking about how you make reservations at Noma down in Mexico. They use a certain company that does their reservation services Mm -hmm. and you have to sign up through email. So when I go, I use open table a lot to make reservations. You don't call restaurants anymore, which I think sucks because, you know, well, you restaurants usually them. don't answer. They're too busy. Yeah. I'm trying to cut labor costs. So they use a website and the website's usually a third party. It's not their own website. It's a third party one that does it. But you have to enter in all your information. So I definitely think that this is maybe something that can happen and will happen in the future. And you can decide whether or not you even want those people eating at your restaurant. Mm-hmm. Uh, We've talked a lot about bad Yelp reviews. We got, I got a bad Yelp review up at Honey Hole last week, and uh, the women that you know said something about it were just. I knew before we even got the Yelp review. I got a call from my owner like right away, like they, they'd eaten there thirty minutes before, and before the Yelp my coworker Chris was like, I had those ladies, something's wrong with them. I went out and I spoke to them. They kind of just had an attitude, but they said everything was fine. I mean, this was preemptive. I didn't know anything was happening. I just went to go check and make sure everything was okay because he said they had a real bad and they were upset about how much some stuff cost. So I went to try to explain to them what was going on. Super nice about it. Um, Within 40 minutes later, I got a phone call from my owner telling me that they had made our, our plate, their profile picture, and said it was the worst food they'd ever had. Um, I told her to go ahead and fight it, but I think this is a great idea. This is a fake story. I don't believe this is real, but it's food for thought. I think in the future, this is something that might happen. Yeah. I mean, I see how it could be cool um, and be useful, I guess, for the food industry. But at the same time, in this industry, um, it's what we kind of deal with. So I kind of feel like you're the bigger person if you don't let this affect you. If you're going to go and you're going to start spiting people because they spited you first, then you just look like a child. Yeah, but don't you want to give the heads up to people? Uh, don't about you want customers? No, yeah. because either way they're going to come in. Well, I mean, in, in the bar, that well, I know, but in the bar industry, in uh, the bar service industry, you can, you can refuse service to any way you'd like. Um, it's usually your right as a bartender to refuse service to people. That doesn't mean they can't come back and, and eat at or um, come to your establishment, but not while you're working. Um, yeah, I just don't see that really happening with 
a lot of restaurants. Give the people the power back, man. I mean, I guess. Just because you're a customer. The customer's not always right. No, definitely not. I try I try and, and, and live by that ethos and, and make the customer happy. But and that's what I tried to explain to my coworker because he was super upset about the bad rating, the one-star review. And I said, you know, it's not your fault. Some people you just cannot make happy. No, exactly. And I also think that Yelp, I everybody at my work laughed at me when I told them that I read Yelp and they're like, nobody uses Yelp. And I'm like, no, 90% of people use Yelp. Um, and then they started reading Yelp. But I think that it's kind of a good thing because it takes out those, those points out those little things that you're not seeing and that you really can't handle. And it actually makes people talk in the restaurant industry. So like, let's say you're working in the kitchen, right? And you re- you read Yelp the next day and you read that there was an issue with the front of house. Like somebody wasn't attentive to a customer or something like that. And you noticed it yourself while you were working in the back. You can talk to your chef or your manager about that and they can talk to that person about that. But if you just like, oh, I saw this person and they were being like, like blah, 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 blah. They're gonna be like, yeah, whatever, we'll deal with it later. But if you're like, no, somebody on Yelp wrote that this person was being this way way and they're like okay we're gonna have to take this and figure it out it's a good way to make to keep all your workers accountable unfortunately like i hate yelp i literally despise it but at the same time we are in a service industry and the customer isn't always right but they should be entitled to the best experience that they can have yeah but this is my issue this is my this is my issue now and we've talked about it on the podcast before if there's a fucking issue bring it up then Asked to speak with the manager. Well, yeah, but, like, but, it's, see, but it. it's Seattle. It's Seattle, and people are passive aggressive. Super passive aggressive. And they go and they hide behind a fucking keyboard and a screen. Exactly. And I don't want to spend too much time on this. I just wanted to bring up that uh, even though I think this is a joke article, I think it, it might be something good in the future. Um, a way to track your customer's experience and keep and keep your um, you know let your uh, staff give their give their um, opinion back mm-hmm. about about the other side you yeah. know a lot of times it's just like you got to deal with it that's your job you deal with bad shitty customers i don't think you should have to i don't think you should be berated i mean i, I mean, we but, talk about sexual harassment in the kitchen yeah. or in the front of the house you know people you get a table oh god oh shit do i even want to bring this up look i went to canon <laughs> the, the the seattle's like probably most most popular cocktail restaurant slash bar and I was there with a group of people I'm not gonna say they are we're trying to celebrate a birthday and this table of old gentlemen that are in their upper 40s are sitting there leering at some of the girls that are on our table leering the entire time one of the other guests that was with us uh, who was related says um <clears throat> Are, you know, Robbie, are you, are you, you know, are you, you going to say anything? And I was like, no, no, I don't need to say anything. It happens all the time. Gentle guys act like this all the time. Um, you know, if any, if the girls need to need me to stick up for them, I will. It's not a problem. Well, then finally they just kept snickering and laughing. And this is a super nice, fancy place. And I had to like tell them to mind their own fucking business, you know, but those type of people come in these establishments and assume that because they pay a certain amount of money, they can act any kind of way. Well, yeah, but that's just people in general. Yeah, but you shouldn't have to put up with it. Well, yeah, but they're also they're also paying bills. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) You should be able to tell those people to leave. No, I mean I agree with you, and this is the last point that I'll make. A similar story Um, when I was at work, somebody had said that 
they they hate pretentious white people. And I was like, yeah, I hate pretentious blah, blah, blah people as well. They do. Blah, 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 blah. White people? Yeah, I say white people because I'm a. Crackers, Johnny? Did you say crackers? crackers cracker Jacks. No, it's not just Yacubians. white people. It's just like rich people and richer people in general. But I was like, oh, yeah, I hate them too. Except for that, the fact that they pay my bills. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, it sucks, but sometimes you just got to bite the bullet because, you know, if you just have a, a bunch of regular average Joes, you're not making, you're not going to make any money. The almighty dollar. You know? All right. Um, Next up, we got um, an uh, article from the Seattle Stranger. It's on their slog. The slug. The slug. Um, It's entitled, If $11 Faux Brothers You. If $11 Faux Bothers You. I know. I read Brothers, too. I know. It's a Faux (laughs) Brothers. Bothers You. uh, Give that money to the EBC instead. Um, So... Basically, the EBC is the ethnic the ethnic business coalition, and what they do is they try to they they get money and they try to help people of ethnic ethnicity or color, kind of open up their own businesses, small businesses or whatever. Um, and basically, what this article is talking about is how so many people bitch about um, appropriation. Yeah, cultural appropriation in the city. We've brought it up on the show many times. I brought it up about the ramen, the white boys that do ramen here, right? Nothing is wrong with the ramen they make. It tastes delicious. It tastes fine. Is it authentic? Fuck no. You know what I'm saying? But they've studied it, and they've mastered their craft, and they've made it taste like it's authentic. But were they trained by anybody from fucking Japan? No. The white boys that do Thai food here, um, is it authentic? I mean, yeah. what is authentic? You know what I'm saying? Who Authentic is that guy that has the chili scale. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the dude that, what was his name? I can't remember. The but dude that, that created the, t- yeah. Yeah, that guy's the Chinese legit. guy. Um, so basically, and then, uh, you know, Johnny Chef had chimed in. Uh, they actually spoke with Eduardo Jordan about what he thinks about it. Uh, Johnny, did you, do you have a quote for us? Yeah. Yeah. Um... In the article, it says, as Eduardo, as Eduardo Jordan recently pointed out, it doesn't matter so much what white people are cooking as what they're being compensated for doing it. <laughs> yeah, what they're compensated for doing it. Um, yeah, and what basically what he's trying to say is that, I'm saying basically a lot, <laughs> what they're trying to say is that you can go to a place down the street that's made by an ethnic family. And you can eat at their small little tiny restaurant mm-hmm. and you can buy a taco for a dollar, a dollar street taco, right? You go next door to the fancy chef's restaurant and you buy the same exact taco. It's $5. So it's it's basically putting a price on what you're worth as a cook or a chef. Yeah. And, and the, the dining experience, I guess you can. Yeah. And so they're saying basically the issue is, you know, it's a it's a fine casual concept. And so if you take this really cheap, cheap looking immigrant food and you fancy it up and use big names and uh, slap some, uh, you know, expensive wood up and put a nice bar in there and get a a decent looking staff, you can charge whatever you want for Mm -hmm. it and people will pay that. And that's true. Yeah. And I agree with that completely. I also see a a point, though, that I think a lot of people are missing um, is the difference of quality of product. So, you know, those people who are selling $1 tacos are, is their meat the same caliber of the meat as people who are selling $5 tacos? Does it matter? Uh, Kind of. 
Because that's a bigger that's a bigger food cost. It's not authentic then. I mean, I guess it's. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's authentic or not. It's just the fact that that overhead price is larger, so they're going to have to charge more. That is true. They have a large staff. Um, well, you know, that's not really the issue that we're talking about. Is which one's better? We're not talking about which one's better. No, we're, I mean, I'm just saying that. Yeah, that's, no, that's, that's, that's you a know, good point. That's a point that it's, people are. It's not a good point. Stating. Yeah, that this article is not not stating. Um, they, they're talking about it's, it's it's a Seattle brand of passive racism that mm-hmm. plays in the restaurant world, um, and people talk shit about Eduardo Jordan's place. It's high in Pacific Northwest. Um, it's it's a restaurant, and they always come up to him and they ask him who the chef is here, and they just don't see him as the chef of this really really nice restaurant. Even though he's the oldest person in the kitchen, he looks hella young though. I mean, I guess he looks yeah, <laughs> he looks hella young. They just can't believe that somebody of color or that age, you know, is younger, is in charge of everything, came up with a concept because um, it doesn't look like it fits him. You know, you walk into a lot of restaurants and you'd be surprised at who the owner is, um, especially when they're back there working. You're used to all these, um, you know, um, flashy names. Mm-hmm. And I, I, don't, I don't know. I'm just... It's, it's happening a lot where a lot of chefs here are... They're not staying in their own lane. And they're crossing over yeah. uh, into different types and styles of food. Um, and they're I'm not gonna say they're pushing pushing a lot of the other restaurants out that are small business owners or family owned. Um, but that's that's what the, the EBC is doing. Um, they're trying to help teach these, you know, small scale, um, family owned, um, small business owners who are are non-native born, um, they're helping them, uh, learn how to, um, you know, get, throw their hat in the ring with some of the larger names. No. Yeah. Because I mean, as I said in the article, a lot of these people who are small business owners, the family owned businesses, they have, um, language barriers and cultural barriers where they're not really able to deal with the way our society works as opposed to the society that they came from if they're from overseas or, you know, basically from another country. Yeah, I mean, this happens. This is this is an issue that happens in every country, every city. Mm-hmm. Um, you have, let me think about Pakistanis that come um, to England, you know. Um, they don't have very much money. They save up all their money. They open up a small shop, and then somebody maybe comes there, sees what they're doing, sees that they have a really good product, and they take it. They go to some investors, tell them an idea, and they open up a shop and blow them out of the water. That's the issue is that some of these <clears throat> immigrants are non-native-born people that come here who, who don't have any money. Yeah, they, they don't, don't have the have, resources. They don't to, have the resources. To make fancy restaurants. Banks don't give them loans or anything like yeah. that. Um and they sure as hell don't go. They don't know how they. A lot of some of them are illegal. No, I was just gonna say. Then we get into the whole legal and illegal. Yeah, and so they so. can't go work in some of these restaurants. So they have to do it on their own illegally. Uh, a lot of the staff is their child. Mm-hmm. Child labor laws come into play. Um, so anyway, give do yourself a favor. Do us a favor. Go check out the Ethic Business Coalition. Um, if you have a chance, donate some money. There's a couple other good. Um, there's a couple other good places. Uh, the Real Change Homeless Empowerment Project. You can see those guys out there selling um, newspapers all the time. But also, Real Change uh, tries to give those people jobs and kitchens and stuff that's going on. And also, Crosscut. Um, check out some of those things. And uh, we are going to finish off the show with a fun little list. Johnny? Yeah. 
Um, that was funny. I was just thinking, I was like, what, you can't be seven and work in a coal mine anymore? <laughs> no, <laughs> no but it, I know it's all, that, that's how a lot of that, that stuff is passed down through generations. No, and that's how you get authentic food, Yeah, you know, is by handing it down. Anyway, we're going to go into a, a Thrillist article that popped up a few, I guess a while ago, a few months ago. Um, and it's entitled things only chefs notice in restaurants. Um, so I'll just start reading the article off a little bit and then we'll go into the sections. Um, when movie directors watch films, they're not looking at the same things you are. They're paying attention to how the shots are framed, editing, and the quality of special effects when the Transformers try to kill Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> All important features of any movie. Chefs walk into restaurants and see different things than the rest of us do too. So chefs aren't just looking at menus. Um or their servers, they pay attention to the little things that you and I might miss, like light bulbs, how fast they're being served, and even the dang plates the food are served on. Which is true, That's I mean, that's all things I go. So, first things first is light bulbs. I think the hardest thing to do when you turn, when you turn your work brain off so you can be a guest in someone else's restaurant, the first thing I always notice is if there are light bulbs that need to be changed out. <laughs> You know you're having a great time when none of your own restaurant alarms go off and you're able to just be a guest. That's a Renee Erickson quote. Um, chef of the Walrus and the Carpenter anymore. Um, it's a true thing. Small, small little detail that will make uh, make a world of difference. Yeah. Um, I mean, I noticed it when I'm in, even in the kitchen the other day. I was just like, why is it so dark in here? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you definitely notice it. Uh, even when you're when you're a guest at that's you know when you're a guest at a restaurant, and you walk in, and you're like, it's fucking dark. Why are the fucking lights down so low? You can't even see. Well, yeah. the Fucking menu. And I wonder if they do that so they don't blow light bulbs out. I mean, I don't know. Some of those Edison light bulbs are pretty expensive. But yeah. I mean, yeah, I, and we don't mean to go in and pick apart restaurants, but it's just something that you notice. Oh, yeah, and totally. You, and you wonder if the staff knows about it or not. Well, it's also the quality of light bulb. You know, like those energy efficient light bulbs are so bright and fluorescent that you notice those, you know, sometimes you just got to use, you know, good old fashioned. All right. The second one is pace of service. OK. And this one comes from uh, Gregory Gordetz of Department in Denver, Colorado. They also Departure. Have departure. What did I say? Department. Department. <laughs> Whatever. He's got a restaurant in Denver, Colorado, and Portland, Oregon. He said, it may, it may sound odd, but I'm not the biggest fan of long, drawn-out tasting menus that go for three to four hours. I like to eat quick, so pace is always something I notice. I've seen everything that could possibly go wrong in a restaurant and go wrong. I've act, I'm actually pretty low maintenance in a dinner setting. I understand everything the team around me is going through to create their experience. So basically... Yeah, I mean, I don't want to wait too long in between my courses. Um, I like to have my food. I'll wait. I'll wait a good amount of time. I'm I'm not into that. I'm a, when I have a dinner that takes longer than like an hour or an hour and a half, I'm like upset because I'm just like, all right, I don't want to be here for three hours. <laughs> I just came to get some food. Now I want to go. I'm the well, same way with everything in life. Well, that also that also depends. I mean, but these are the type of things we think about. This also depends on how how your front of the house, your hostess is seating people. It's how they're seating people. It's also how they're taking putting your order order in. ordering you. because a lot of times, like you'll order, they'll take your menus away after you order all your food, and they'll pace it out for you, thinking that you want it to be paced out that way. You need to tell. I'll give you a tip. You need to tell people how you want your food served to you. If you say uh, one of the best things that I like to do is uh, family styles, one of the best things you can do. You tell them everything's going to be shared. They give you small plates and you say, bring it out as it's done. 
and they will fire off all your food at the same time. And whichever one comes up first, they're going to bring it out to you. That's true. Unless you want something specifically done first. Or you want something yeah, specifically like, last. I'll take all these, you know, apps first and then my mains will come, you know, together later. Uh, anyway, so the next portion is water. I always notice water. Either I'd like water water to be easily accessible if it is a quick service spot or I'd like it to be available for my server at the table. Nothing worse than being thirsty without water and then being at the mercy of the catching the eye of the server to get more. Uh, Josh Culp from Honey Butter Fried Chicken, Chicago. Um, that happens to me all the time. If my water glass sits empty, I'm like pissed. I have a friend, uh, uh, <clears throat> Miss Ari Bennett. Uh, she's uh, she's in the food service industry, and she believes that servers have one job and one job only. To pour water. And to keep your glass filled yeah. the entire time. And she will tip accordingly. She always still tips good, but she will tip according, according to how the waiter pours her water. Even if it's on, the own t- on their own table and it's halfway full, she just wants her water. That's what you're paying for when you go out to, to eat. A lot of stuff you go out to, when you go out to a restaurant, you're paying for service. You can go home and cook that kind of food. Yeah. You can roast your own fucking chicken at home. It's not that hard, people. But you're paying for service. You don't want to have to refill your water. Except you- for in California, they were probably like, Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, much water. water, man, water. Keep that water full. Um, bathrooms. If it's a hole-in-the-wall sort of place, the bathroom should be Lysol clean. If it's an expensive place, it should be insane. It should smell like my fancy friend's parents' powder room. Cool decor and mirrors are an added bonus. I also like to peek in the kitchens when I can. Clean floors, busy-looking staff, that kind of thing is important. There are tons of great restaurants that are under $15 for a meal that have all these things. There are a lot of. Oh, there are also lots of expensive restaurants that don't. That's Emily Seaman from Denzen Golf. New York City. You know, I agree with that, but I also think that, uh, you know, it also depends on the time of service. I've worked at a lot of high-end restaurants where, I mean, you're cleaning, but you're not cooking, you know? So if people look in and they're like, oh, they're not doing much. It's like, no, we just, you know, cranked out 40, 50 people. Now we're, you know, cleaning up. Oh, I'm a nosy motherfucker. Uh, Yeah, I know. I I will poke my head in that kitchen and I will check it out and see how it looks. And bathrooms, I definitely will judge you on your bathroom. Yeah. Oh, Every day, dude. I'm like, what's this toilet paper like? Is it two ply? <laughs> yeah. One ply? One thing that, that they didn't mention is like when you look into a kitchen, my biggest thing is I, I look at the hoods every single time. Clean hood. Yeah. It's like the floor could be clean. Fine. The range could be clean. But if those hoods haven't been cleaned in a couple of weeks, I can tell. What's, what, what's, what do you think? I, I'm, once every other week is my, my go-to for hood, or you once a week? Uh, it depends on how much usage that they're actually getting. You know, like um, in a smaller restaurant, I would do it every Sunday, you know, at the end of the week and just make sure you start the week with fresh hoods. Um, right now we have a pretty industrial hood, so it doesn't get that dirty. Um, so, yeah, we're doing it every, I want to say, week and a half. Yeah, I, 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 once every other week is the longest I'll ever go. Yeah. Uh, but there's definitely downtime for it to be done once a week. No, yeah, and if there's time to do it, just just get it done just to get it done. At least my station I try to keep clean. Yeah. All right. Um, enthusiasm. When I go out to eat, I look for enthusiasm and confidence. You can feel it almost like 
you can feel it almost the second you walk into a place. So when I see confident and excited people working, I generally know I'm in for a good time. Michael Skelfo at Alden Harlow, Cambridge, Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Um, yeah, enthusiasm is usually a good sign that, that you're going to have a good experience. Always. Unless it's, people hate their jobs. It's also tough because like when people, when those last people walk in, you know, when it's like closing time and those people walk in and they're like smiling, like, Hey, how you doing? And you're like, uh, Hey, <laughs> you know, and you're just trying to be, you're trying to be enthused, but at the same time, you're just like, you're a fucking buster. Yeah. But this is, I mean, this list is about like, we picked that up. We, yeah. we noticed that and we know why they're like that. Oh, most, totally. most customers don't catch that kind of stuff. True. They're, they're true. just like, hey, I mean, yeah, I'm here to eat. Why aren't you happy to see me? Aren't you happy the business is here? Aren't you happy that we're going to be tipping you? It's like, no, I just got my ass kicked. Yeah. I've got all my money. I can do without your money. <laughs> so, and you're probably not going to tip me well. Yeah. You're going to take forever. You don't know what the fuck you want. Your so, $40 tab is not going to do. That's the difference between a, a good restaurant worker and a bad restaurant worker. Even though you fucking and hate that person that you're dealing with. You're still you're, smiling. You're still smiling and, and showing them Putting a good time. Putting that mask on. You know? Right? That's funny. Smell is the next one. Or actually, no, sorry. I skipped. Stressed out staffers. I intentionally take a seat facing a wall so I don't spend the whole experience trying to ascertain why a person is in the weeds <laughs> or, uh, or why are they being inefficient. Is there something going on in the kitchen that's slowing the things down? Andrew Graves, Tara and Vine, Evanston, Illinois. I'm the exact opposite. I don't like to stare at a wall. I like my back to the oh, wall. I, I watch. I like the to whole watch. Time. And I will grab people that I'm with, if they don't work in the restaurant, show, I'll poke them and be like, look, look, dude, he's getting yelled at in the back. Exactly. He's no, like, I do that with my girl look, all the time. He dropped a plate. Look, the server's bringing food back. Look, let's see who's got to refire something. I, I love it. I, th I think it's hilarious. It's fun. Yeah, it's super fun. It's, I love hearing what the chef is saying because yeah. they like, be like, come on, I need that. Hello. It's Look more subtle. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> Get your head out of your ass. <laughs> and like, Sorry, chef. Sorry. That's great. That's a good one. Stressed out staffers is always fun. And you try to find the root of why they're stressed out. Oh, yeah, out. every single time. And you'll find they come to one table and they're, they're super good. And then you see them go to another table and you're like, that's a problem table right there. Yeah, I love when they drop something in the kitchen and it's like they need something on the fly and how stressed out everybody gets all of a sudden. You're like, just give me that one. Work together. Yeah, Johnny mentioned next one, smell. Yeah. If it doesn't smell like food, it means they're cooking in bags too much. <laughs> Tandy Wilson, City House, Nashville, Tennessee. Is that like a sous vide machine or something? I don't know. Cooking in bags? I, I mean, I mean, Turkey bags? Microwave? I don't, I don't know what she means by they're cooking in bags too much. Um, yeah, I mean... There's lots of tricks people do in restaurants to make your restaurant smell like food. Uh, I used to do garlic a lot, take sauteed garlic through the restaurant before we open. We opened open it. our smoker before we open. Yeah, that's one thing about, so the good thing about uh, Honey Hole, where I'm at right now, uh, is that we do, we smoke everything day of pretty much. Um, it starts at about 3.30 in the morning and goes all the way until about a- Who's there at 3.30 in the morning? Operations managers, man. Oh. Shout out uh, Big J and uh, Peter. Um, yeah, they're there early. You know, I come in and take over from there, whatever. But they, we pull everything out and we cut it all that day and stuff. Um, everything's heated up fresh that day. But you can smell it. It permeates the whole entire neighborhood. And so people come down there and they're like, are you guys open yet? It's like 10 a.m. Right. I just See, you guys pork. are lucky because you do you have anybody living above you? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. It's like for us, we, we get in trouble for having the hoods on overnight. 
Oh fuck that! Like, Why? Because the it people smell. No, not because it smells. Hot. Just be, no, not even the hot. It's just a noise, and it's not even that big of a noise. Mm. But like people get upset. It's really tough. It really depends on what neighborhood you're in, because some people can just deal with that. But other times, like Ravenna, is very very hard to operate a restaurant because the community is so picky and proddy about everything like we can't have our smokers on at certain times like we wanted to have an outdoor smoker but then we were like oh no we can't do that's that. what I'm trying to get down in Belltown I'm trying to put an outdoor smoker See, that'd be fine. my problem is crackheads so I gotta build a fence around <laughs> it or something like that and that's, like, that's something that eventually I, and that's why I tried to explain to Hillel is like this is the help we can move into we just need to get in there well, train a staff and then but they put a brand new they put a brand new hood machine in the, the restaurant that I'm going to so you know, should be fun. That's what I'm gonna try to do, man. Get that neighborhood popping. Yeah. Next one, Johnny. Um, clean floors. I always notice the floor. I know, I know. You'd think that it would be the food and the service, which are two things I definitely notice too. But it's always the floor and the stuff that it's the stuff that is on it um, that pulls my attention. I'm talking food, scraps of paper, bottle caps, mud, bags, crayons, etc. Uh, there's going to be a steady stream of debris on the floor. It's the nature of food service, but I'm always watching to see if anyone notices and cleans it up. Christine Kikowski, Sunday Dinner Club, Chicago. Um, that's funny because I, I notice that sometimes too, but some places, you know, like when you're at like a breakfast spot, you're just like, yeah, I mean. They're hectic. They're yeah, fucking backed up. Nobody's got time, which is more important, getting that shit up off the ground or, you know, usually you have a, a like a like a bar back or a, um, what are they called? Uh, busser. Busser. Busser's job to do that stuff. And so you have a shitty busser. Yeah. And it's not even like that. It's like, it's more. In my eyes, it's more of the customer. I'm like, oh, you had a dirty ass customer sitting there before somebody else uh, that couldn't children. Keep their, yeah, they couldn't keep their food on their fucking table because they're children. Um, you know, that's what I always think about when my, I see food on the floor. My main thing is, you know, not so much about bottle caps and all that stuff. It's spills, and it's how yeah. well somebody cleans up a spill. Because totally. it's going to happen regardless. Um, yeah, and if you have the floors that can manage to take a spill, because sometimes floors are slippery in general, and then they get yeah. a spill and somebody cleans it up, and then it's just like spreading fucking slippage all over the place. Um, next one is the super special part of the chicken. One thing I absolutely love is a really good chicken dish at a restaurant, whether it be a whole roasted chicken or a half-grilled chicken. If they take the chicken off the carcass, I always notice if they include the oyster muscle, which Yum. they fabricate. If a kitchen takes the time to make sure the oyster, a.k.a. that tiny piece of dark meat inside the chicken backbone is included, you can bet they take care of a lot of other details as well. Justin Yu, Oxheart in Houston, Texas. You know, I hate to bring race into this, but of course <laughs> he's looking for that. You know, he's like, I want every piece of that meat. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you also you can also tell somebody the way they cross utilize yeah, and their ingredients they, yeah. in their kitchen. So if you see a lot of um, extra parts from certain dishes on different menu items, you know they're they're doing they're paying a lot of attention to giving a lot of attention to detail. Yeah, totally. Uh, because they're not wanting to put any waste into it, and they want their menu to be well balanced. Yeah. So yeah, I mean yeah, it's good and it it's interesting because we do that too. Like all of our catfish trim that we have, we turn it into catfish balls and fry it for lunch. It's perfect, That's man. Like, you know, and I then we also put it in our gumbo. I fucking hate throwing away stuff, man. We and, don't throw away and that, anything, and that's why I get so pissed when people. Um, 
when they drop stuff or they overcook stuff, I'm yeah. like, fuck, man, get the fuck out of here with that we shit. We don't even eat things for family meal, like if we can use it the next day. It's only stuff that you can't yeah. cook with. Exactly. Johnny, take care of the last one for us before we get out of here. This one's my favorite. Um, plates. My wife and I always peek under cool looking plates to see who makes them. Most times we can guess pretty accurately from the glaze, thickness, and style. Chad Bras, the living room at Park Hyatt, New York, New York. Um, this is something that I do too. Uh, I'm on bar greens all the time. Most definitely. Looking at plates because I'm like, ooh, I can't wait till I have enough money to buy plates so I can have fancy plates at home. But it actually brings the aesthetic of a dish um, when you have a nice plate. So you can be plating garbage, but if it's on a nice plate, you're you're like, ooh, this kind of looks good. Like, you know, it just draws your eye to the whole dish itself. Um, most of my favorite dishes come from either hand-blown pottery in uh, Washington or London. London has a lot of good plateware. Yeah, I, I like I like plates a lot too, and I can tell um, when it's a shitty piece of uh, crap, and it's uh, actually something that was um, thought about. Know, thought about. Yeah, yeah. totally. So I enjoy it. Um, that's going to bring us to the end of episode 72, 72. of Grill Long Steak, Mister. Uh, today's ingredient of the week is going to be. Um, we need a sponsor for this portion of the show. <laughs> I'm just slacking on my pimping. So, um, but it's going to be wasabi. 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 Um, I don't know why I thought of wasabi. I don't know. Maybe because I just picked up poke. So I put a big chunk of wasabi on my thing. I said, I don't think we've done wasabi yet. But mine is really, really easy. Uh, I've got tons of rave reviews from my friends. They're always tripping every time I break this out at some dinner or something like that. And it's really, really easy. It's going to be a wasabi compound butter. Um, so basically what you're going to need is you're going to need about two cups of butter, uh, three tablespoons of uh, green onions chopped up really, really fine. Uh, use only the green part, none of the white. You're going to want three cloves of garlic, uh, minced up super fine. Um, you're going to want about um, three tablespoons, no, three teaspoons, I'm sorry, three teaspoons of wasabi. Um, um, I would use like the wasabi that's already um, ground up, not fresh wasabi. That shit's super, super strong. Yeah. Um, and then you're going to want to do about... Um, three teaspoons of uh, soy sauce okay and what you're gonna do is you're gonna take that you're gonna put it you're gonna let your butter sit out uh, chop up your green onions chop up your um, uh, your garlic um, you're gonna put that on a bowl you're gonna whip whip the shit out of that um, I don't know if, if you have a, what are those mixers called um, KitchenAid yeah KitchenAid uh, you're gonna put um, a paddle mixer on there um, and f like Mix it in and then uh, put a uh, what is that other one called, Johnny? Uh, Which what are you talking about? The a hook or a not the hook, the oh, a whisk attachment, yeah, the whisk attachment. <laughs> <I can't> <laughs> uh, and yeah, you want to whip the shit out of it and then you want to scrape it into. And if you don't, you just want to fold it in with a spatula and then take a whisk to it. Uh, but it just seems super soft. And then the trick you want to do is you want to lay out a big sheet of uh, plastic wrap super large square you want to pour it all scrape it out of your bowl make a nice little log and then you want to fold over the ends of the um torsion uh, yeah torsion 
Torshan? Torshon. I say Torshon. Uh, but yeah, you want to wrap that over and you want to roll up the ends like it looks like a giant log and just keep rolling that till it's a nice uh, long form. And then usually what I do is I'll cut it in fours and then put it in the freezer. Um, let that freeze and then you can slice off chunks to put um, cooking your dishes or just put it right on top of steaks. Yum. Yeah, that is really good. I didn't do a good job of explaining it. Sorry, people. <laughs> You're fine. I got a headache. Um, so what I'm doing is something I found out. I was like, this sounds kind of funky. And so I'm going to do it anyway. Is fresh wasabi peas. I don't know why they say fresh wasabi peas because we use them frozen, y'all. <laughs> But anyway, uh, what you're going to need for this recipe is a half a cup finely grated fresh wasabi, um, two tablespoons mirin, two tablespoons rice vinegar, uh, two tablespoons dry mustard powder, one tablespoon kosher salt, and two cups of freeze-dried peas. What you're going to do is you're going to preheat the oven to 225 and line the baking sheet with parchment paper. In a medium bowl, whisk together the wasabi, mirin, rice vinegar, mustard powder, and salt. Add these freeze-dried peas and toss to coat. Stir the mixture gently so that all the peas are fully coated with the paste but not broken up. Arrange the coated peas on the prepared baking sheet, making sure that no peas are touching. Um, bake until dry. 60 minutes should be do the trick. Let cool completely and then transfer into a bowl and serve. You know, you could serve that up with some salty nuts for a party. And it's just a little, like, you know. Asian gorp. Sounds crack. You can also do it with edamame and stuff, too. Ooh. There's all sorts of snap peas. Eddie Mimi. Eddie Mimi. Uh, yeah. Good one, John. It's pretty simple. Yep. It's really good. Um, I want to thank everybody for tuning into episode 72. I want to encourage everybody to go to our Facebook page, which is... Girl, how long steak missed it? Uh, go like our Instagram page. It's... At Grow How Long Steak Mister. Holler at your boy James Yader uh, on our Twitter account, which is at How Long Steak Mister. <laughs> uh, you can email us with your comments, uh, show topics, uh, issues you have with me or Johnny, mostly, N- mostly Johnny, Robbie. Mostly Johnny. <laughs> uh, it's going to be Grow How Long Steak Mister at gmail.com. That's Mr. MR. Uh, you can follow me on uh, Instagram at Bobby Stills. Johnny, what are you? Johnny Toonami. Um, yeah, and I want to encourage everybody to go check out the Soundcasting Network. They produce this show that we're on, um, and they got tons of other shows. We're not just into cooking. If you're a fan, I know a lot of people listen to this just because they like me, not Johnny. <laughs> so we got other shows and stuff about all, all sorts of other topics. And uh, yeah, I want to thank Studio Two One Two for uh, letting us record up here. I want to thank Keith for not being here. You buster. He's invisible. He's here right now. Oh, I didn't see you over there in the corner. Um, Yeah, you guys. Thanks for tuning in, and uh, we will see you guys next week. Peace. Grill, how long does it take, mister? Five minutes out. Eat it.